spam is never a fun thing to get. Never. But once in a while. Unless you get it off the shelf. No, it's still never fun spam, to get. Spam, 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 baked beans and spam. My wife loves spam and it's so gross. And she's a vegan. Spam is never a fun thing to get. <laughs> well, she's a vegan. Spam is not meat. <laughs> but do you ever get signed up for those services where they're like sending you crap about bands and like people in concert? Those kind of. Phil Anderson, welcome to the greatest song you've never heard podcast. Do you ever get spam like that? Oh, yeah. I got one this week that I wanted to share with everybody to open up our show. Because I didn't know this it was a thing, and it's just made me laugh so hard. There is a bottle shop, which is a like high-end beer place, mm-hmm. in Albany, New York, that I went to one time. Once? Yes. Okay. And I find that hard to believe, but okay. Because they use Square, I'm now on their mailing list. Really? Yes. Which I'm actually okay with, because they'll talk about the new beers they have in there. It's an hour from where I stay when I'm in New York, so I'm okay with and all of that stuff. how often do they send you something? Uh, maybe once every couple of weeks. Okay. Not all a right. lot. But I got one for an event that's coming up. I don't know if it's at their bottle shop or somewhere else, but it's called Gibby Haynes Plays mm. Butthole Surfers and Classics and Other Oddities. Really? Yes. Do you know who Gibby Haynes is? No, I do know the Butthole Surfers, but... Gibby Haynes was the founder of the Butthole Surfers. Oh, interesting. And he's going to be playing a concert uh, July 22nd in... Which is passed by the time people have heard this, but he's going to be playing a concert July 22nd in Albany, New York, with a gentleman by the name of Paul Green, which I'm going to assume, Phil, that you've never heard of Paul Green, but I'm going to tell you who Paul Green is. You might have seen a movie called School of Rock. Oh, yes. Paul Green is the character that Jack Black is based on. Oh, really? And these guys are going to be playing together and playing butthole surfers music. Wow. And I bring this up in the grand scheme of the greatest song you've never heard because there are people listening going, who in the world are the butthole surfers? Why are you talking about that? Right. And who in the world is Gibby Haynes and why are you talking about him? Yeah. Yet, some of those songs are foundational in certain people's lives based on the fact that they were instrumental in shaping who they were as a human being. And so today, on The Greatest Song You've Never Heard, we're hoping to bring one of those songs. Oh, we will be. To you. This is so good. So last week, I may have... Was that a good setup? It's a great setup because it actually segues perfectly to what I'm going to do. Last week, I had a song picked out for this week. You did. And And I changed. Can you imagine if we got to do this live on the radio every week? Oh, it'd be a blast. Oh, I know. It would be a blast. It would be. People would be really bored of me, but it would be a blast because you're on it. would be bored with both of us, let's be honest. <laughs> so uh, this is one of those songs that everybody should know. Mm. Mm. That everybody should know. It has got, it has got some, it's just got a great story. Okay. And the way you set that up, right? Yes. Uh, this is a band that when you find out the name of the band, you're going to go, what? Oh, yes. I, I, and there's just a lot of story. <laughs> can, can we just get into the song? Can I tell you a story first? Oh, please, please. It's about the name of the band. Um, I grew up in Seattle in the 90s, and so everybody I knew was in some kind of a grunge band. And one of my closest friends growing up, he was at my wedding, um, was because I got married very young. Uh, I got married and I moved this away. This is your second or third wife now? Um, same wife, 30 really? years. Really? Yes. Congratulations. Yes, we got, we met when we were 15 and we're still together. Well. 
and uh, and it wasn't arranged marriage; it was <laughs> voluntary. Uh, anyway, so my friend, who was like one of my very best friends, was really into recording, and he wanted to start his own studio. So I move away to another city, and we stay in touch. And I call him one day, and I go, "Hey, what have you been up to?" And he goes, "Oh man." I'm recording this band, and I think they might be the next big, like, Nirvana, like, Soundgarden. Like, really? What are they? Who is this? They're called the Lesbian Muff Divers. <laughs> did, he, did, he not, did he not know any of that? He knew exactly okay. what it was, but, but he thought that was going to be the next big. I'm like, pretty sure no radio station in America is allowed to play the Lesbian Muff Divers. No, no. <laughs> commercially it's just not going to work so can we those, change the name so i can't wait to hear this band well uh i'm not going to set it up too much but uh you like a little bit of funk don't you yeah i'm gonna play some funky music white boy all right let's hear it
So I didn't know you were bringing the theme from Night Court. No. This, <laughs> how this song wasn't used as a theme song for a TV show between 1980 and 1984 is beyond me. Because it doesn't it sound like one of those songs from like Night Court. It sounds like, uh, what's the name of that guy's name? Daniel uh, Jack, Kane? Jack Elliott. Jack Elliott? You don't know Jack Elliott? No. Also wrote the theme song for Barney Miller? Really? Boom. Ba-da-dum. What? And, Barney and Miller? Any of the Seinfeld stuff. The yeah. Boom. Nightcore, Barney Miller. That was Jack Elliott. This sounds like one of those songs that should have been the theme song for a like Tuesday night TV show on ABC from 1981. Does it not sound like that? No. This is... That's the theme from Night Court. Yeah, it sounds exactly the same. No, it doesn't. It also reminds me of like when you'd be watching Letterman in the early 80s. <laughs> That's right. And they'd come back from a commercial break. This would be the song they'd be playing. That uh, was uh, Paul Schaefer. Yeah, Paul Schaefer. And he'd have David Sanborn on sax. Yes. And that band was tight. Oh, so tight. By the way, have you listened or listened to or read the Paul Schaefer book? No. We'll be playing here for the rest of our lives. No. Is it good? Um, you're traveling right now. Yes. You're in the middle of two months of traveling. Yeah. Thank God nobody knows where you live. That's true. But you have people there anyway. Yeah. Uh, listen to this book. Okay. You will freaking love it. I probably will because I listened to the Martin Short biography. Oh, I was just going to suggest that one Martin too. Martin Short and uh, Paul Schaefer's careers are yes. intertwined. Oh, they they very much are. Yeah. And, in fact, the Martin Short one, I believe is Martin Short that brought in... Uh, George Harrison. It does his George Harrison impression. Yes. <laughs> About uh, smoking pot at a party. Yes. It's fascinating. And you're right. They are very intertwined and two great books. Yes. Abso- well, you don't know about well, the I second know. one, yes, but, but you I will. will. If you like it that much, I'll, I'll listen to it. Uh, oh, you will love that book. By the way, pro tip for those listening. Yeah. Uh, if you are a person who doesn't like reading because you don't like reading, <laughs> I get you. We're, we're kindred spirits. I love learning. I don't like reading. I can read a page a night and then I'm gone. Listen. Out. On Audible. And mm. the secret is start at one and a quarter speed. Oh. And then move it up to one and a half speed. And that it's life changing. I'm going to have to disagree. Well, that's, that's because your, your brain's older than mine. No, I like to hear all the nuances. <sighs> and you don't get the nuances of 1.5. Uh, but here's get, my pro tip. Hmm. Get the book. Read by the author. Yes, for sure. Yeah. 100% for sure. So this band, Chris, is nothing like a uh, sitcom theme song band. Well, you say that, but come on. I mean, there were like plenty of great, great songwriters who wrote songs for theme song or for sitcoms. This band, uh, the players would be playing for like... Uh, I just drew a blank. <laughs> All these great people they played for: Aretha Franklin, mm. John Lennon, mm. um, Paul Simon. Is Richard Cheese in this band? Uh, Richard T. Cheese. Richard T. Richard Cheese. <laughs> Dick Cheese. No. Uh, where are you getting Richard Cheese? He he did the theme song for WKRP in Cincinnati. But Richard T. is in the band. 
For real? I'm not even joking. Richard T played keyboard for Paul Simon for years. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Richard T was on keyboards. They had two drummers, Chris. In that band? Yes, on this song. Why? <laughs> that was a pretty long piano solo for two drummers. Well, I'm saying um, Steve Gadd is one of them. Okay. One of the best session drummers in all of, well, the nation, but yeah. known for New York City drumming. Yeah. You got Chris Parker also on drums. Okay. You've got Cornell Dupree on guitar, as well as Eric Gale. You probably know Eric Gale. I don't know any of these names. Well, these, these are these are all. So, uh, what people may not realize is when you uh, go to record an album, you don't always use your band that you're going on the road with. Right, right. I don't know why you wouldn't, but many times they don't. Well, I I can tell you this actually from personal experience. Now, I'm playing live versus playing. Playing for a recording has to be so succinct and so perfect. And the longer you're in the studio, the more frustrated people get. And the more and, costly it is. And the more costly yeah. it is. So you have to actually create recordings perfectly the first time is the goal. Yeah. Well, these guys were the best of the best. Hmm. They didn't know what to call themselves. They would actually show up at different um, nightclubs. Hmm. And and uh, and they just kind of started jamming. Yeah. What they would do is they would sit down for a session like with Aretha Franklin, and then they'd go off in another room because Aretha's like going, yeah, I think we should do it this way. I think we should do it this way. And the band would go and, and just knock out a song. Wow. Because they just enjoyed playing with each other. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we're starting to get booked. <laughs> I think it's Atlantic Records uh, signed them. Really? They liked what they heard. And so they're like, well, we need a band name. Well, I don't know. Let's go with stuff. <laughs> The band's really called Stuff. Stuff. Yep. And so uh, 1976 is when this album came out. And uh, now, I, of course, I've got uh, the theme from Night Court on there. But yeah. Uh, so <laughs> um, the song is Do You Want Some of This? Do you? Yes, I want some of this. Richard T on keyboards. Uh, you know, when he does that solo and then it, it, it starts back in yeah, slowly yeah, yeah. with the drums. I'm sorry. I don't know if you noticed. I was moving a lot of you were here. playing all the lyrics on the air I, it's not table. as if it's not as if i haven't heard the song once or maybe a right. hundred times i know every single note of that song hmm. and i love it hmm. it didn't grab you it's good it didn't grab you remember we were talking about a couple of months ago about um recording in an era hmm. and how it just doesn't like grab you there's this thing around early late 1970s, early 1980s that I listen to and just go, eh. And until I like can really deep dive into uh, a really good example would be, um, who is the guy? I'm drawing a blank. 1971, the documentary we've talked about in the past. Oh, uh, uh, Harry Nielsen. No, he's awesome. I love Harry Nielsen. Yeah. But um, who's the guy that's saying? Um, Oh, crap. That Black song. dude, giant afro. Billy Preston. Other one. <laughs> they did a whole episode on him. And he basically invented funk in America. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name either. <sighs> this is going to It is going to drive me nuts. Our, it's going to ruin our credibility. So much so. Might have to do something to do with this beer, too. But um, <laughs> So my point being, though, is like when I listen to his stuff... I never liked any of it. And then 
I did a deep dive into what it meant in the history of music, and all of a sudden it means something to me now. And I can see the history and the nuances and the art, artistry behind it. So when I hear this, I, I feel the same thing. I don't, I don't, I wasn't there during this time frame. Yeah. And so the feeling of that generation and that era doesn't resonate with me because I was a little kid when this song came out. And so I listen to it and go, this is the theme song from Night Court. And it's mm. not that I don't like it, but I would have to dive into the history of this and really understand uh, what's going on to appreciate it fully the way that you it, it resonates with you in a way that doesn't with me. But this is the best thing about music is that music doesn't have to resonate with everybody to be no. one of the greatest songs you've never heard. Exactly. You're Chris, not talking about James Brown. No. Yeah. Because from a, from a, uh, from a musical perspective, this is one of the tightest, most amazing recordings that I could imagine in this style of music. Couldn't be George Clinton. No. Damn it. Tell I'm me so more close. about this song and I'll look it up for you. <laughs> So, yeah, with, with the fact that um, these guys, it, they um, stumbled upon being a band by happenstance, just being at the same place at the same time and enjoying playing with each other and jamming with each other. And then, like we mentioned before, as session player, you have to be the best of the best. This isn't, you know, to be a, a, a commercial success in music, you have to be very good. Right. But it's not... It's not a prerequisite. I mean, look at the new kids on the block. I'm sorry. You know, it's not a prerequisite. Easy there, big fella. Hey, hey, hey. I could go after Peter Cetera, but I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, you, you know, uh, it's not a prerequisite. But when you get into the recording studio, you got the name. Sly and the Family Stone. Ah, uh, Sly yes. Stone. Sly Stone. Yeah. That was oh, a part of the 1971 documentary. Yes. Great documentary, by the way. It is. We're not done with it. Oh, fact, not? Maybe tonight we'll have to oh, grab another episode of that. So it is really good. Just the that year alone. You know the person that wrote the theme music for our little podcast, Todd Hornby? Yes. Hadn't heard of that documentary. Really? I had to turn him on to it. So this is one of the things, if you've gotten this far in this episode and haven't turned it off yet, because you it's 20 minutes, and we typically are done by 17. But if you haven't gotten this far, here's one of the things I've learned as I got older, um, because I'm now pushing 50. Oh, I'm not. I remember back when I was pushing 50. Yeah, 30 years ago? <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older is I used to listen to songs and go, I hate, it's binary. I love this song or I hate this song. Mm. And the older I've gotten, the more I've learned to appreciate a song for what the artist intends it to be. Little nuances. Yes. Yeah. And so I listen to a song like this and I go, oh, I understand where this came from, if I understand where it came from and if I understand what the artist was trying to say, then all of a sudden it means something to me and I can tolerate it and actually enjoy it for what it is. And so 1971 taught me to do that because I've said since I was a kid, mm. the 70s are most culturally devoid decade in the history of the universe. Yet when I listened to 1971 and watched through the documentary, it's I like, went, wow. oh, I hate the Rolling Stones, but that's that album means something in the grand scheme of things. Right. right. I hate funk but Sly and the Family Stone changed the way that Donny Osmond saw the world, which right. is a weird thing to think about. No, but it's not because right? it, it, everything's a ripple effect. Correct. It, you know, and that's the thing is like we played a song a couple weeks ago that you really liked, one of them that you actually really liked. Yeah. Um, and the idea behind that is when you start listening to some of the players um, on that, there was Chuck Lavelle, mm -hmm. if you know that name. 
he was on Eric Clapton's uh, Unplugged album as yeah. keyboard player, but he was also with all of these other bands. And uh, these guys intertwine. Mm-hmm. They're all a part of the thread. Yes. And like in the 70s, that is, it goes deep. Yes. With the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt and Jackson Brown and Carol King and Eric Clapton, not Eric Clapton, but uh, James Taylor. We're way over, but have I told you my Shawstay Lasso story? No. We're not. <laughs> this is, by the way, this is our podcast. Well, that's true. Okay. So um, I was in a book club. Well, I was technically in a room where a book club was happening. an audio book club? No. And they were talking about this book, and I happened to be overhearing, and I intervened and said, one of the things that drives me nuts is business books are typically not innovative. Except for the E-Myth Revisited. Yeah, such a good book. Yeah. Such a phenomenal book. But that's a rarity, right? Oh, I agree. Because it's 12 laws of blah, 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 or 15, none of that stuff. So I started reading biographies. 10 years ago, because they really, like, stuff sticks with you when you hear someone's story. Yep. And in this book club, when people were talking, I said, oh, I've started, stopped reading these kind of books and start reading um, biographies. Yeah. And one of the ones I just read was from Mike Nesmith's biography. Mm -hmm. It's called Infinite Tuesday. And I had just gotten done reading it. And there were three things in that book that have, like, literally, like, to this day resonate with me. And so I mentioned it. And this lady comes up to me afterwards. She's in her 60s. She goes... I didn't realize you were a Mike Nesmith fan. And I go, oh, did you grow up listening to the monkeys? And she goes, no. Who are the monkeys? She goes, no. Um, Robert's a friend of my husband's. And I'm like, Mike Nesmith, Robert. Oh, Mike Nesmith from the monkeys. Real name is Robert Michael Nesmith. So you only call him Robert if you like really Really know know him. him. And I'm like, wait, your husband knows Mike Nesmith? And she goes, oh, yeah. Who's your husband? His name is Shaste. Okay, Shaste Lasso. I go. I, I don't know who that is. Should right. I know who that is? She's like, well, he was one of the drum, one of the two drummers for the uh, Wrecking Crew. Ah, there we go. I, I'm like, whoa, 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 like the Wrecking Crew, like the '60s, like played on everybody's. She goes, oh yeah, he lives here in my hometown. She's like, oh yeah. I'm like. For real? <laughs> She's like, yes, he it totally is. So I'm, I'm not going to believe you until you bring Mike Nesmith over to my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dead now. I know, So I can't right? bring him over to your house. Know. I could, but I have to dig well, him up. how long ago was this? Uh, three years ago. So he wasn't dead then. He was not dead then. <laughs> I was just saying. I said, so So your husband knows Mike Nesmith? She goes, yeah. And I go, how well? Because I'm thinking, let's get him here. And she goes, well, he calls the house like once a month. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? She goes, yeah. I'm like, so tell me about your husband. And she starts telling me this story about how he grew up on a Native American reservation. He used to bring this bus around every month to teach kids how to play instruments. He fell in love with the drums. He got into some trouble. His mom sent him away to live with an aunt in Southern California. They happened to live down the street from Brian Wilson and a bunch of people like that. He ends up being a session player and being a drummer and became one of the, 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 that band. You know, it's really interesting is that this is the gold you get from this podcast. Mm, that's true. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Speaking of Brian Wilson, should we follow him on Twitter? No. Really? He's crazy. Yeah. One of my favorite bands that I will bring to this show at some point, because they're on the list, has a song called Jesus Loves You, Brian Wilson. <laughs> and if you have something to say about that comment right here, please reach out to us on Twitter and make sure you at King Kuby. Mm, you can do that. Yeah. King Kube. It's K-U-B-E, lowercase. Do you know where that came from, by the way? No. 
in the early days of the internet, before there was an internet, you would use bulletin boards and you would be like taking your computer and, and dialing up over a phone line into no. another computer. No. Oh, yeah. Did it go? It did. It totally did. And then if you wanted to download a GIF, not a GIF. <laughs> it is a GIF. It would take the Thank better, you. It would take the better part of an hour to an hour and a half, depending on how big it was. Wow. Yes. And so you always had to have a username. You couldn't use, there. We, nobody had email. And so I was literally sitting, watching TV, and there was a TV show on called Parker Lewis Can't Lose, which nobody's ever seen or heard of. And there was a guy who went on to be famous later. His name on the show was Larry Kubiak. And Parker Lewis was kind of like um, a Ferris Bueller character. And he rigged all of the um, voting at prom so that Larry Kubiak, who was the bully of the school, would become the prom king. So it's like Pennsylvania and Georgia and, and Arizona? Yeah, much like that. <laughs> so they're, I'm literally like, I got to come up with a, a name? Who? What would your user handle be? Like, nobody knows what they would pick, right? And so they're carrying this guy through the hall and screaming, King, Coob, King, Coob, King, Coob. And I'm like, that's my username, King Coob. So King Coob on Twitter is me. I look, look at that and say King King Kube. Uh, you can say whatever you want but to. But King Coob is fine. Yeah. Uh, that's Chris Cochran. Yes. Uh, I'm just Philip M. Anderson on Twitter. But more importantly, we are at G-S-Y-N-H podcast on Twitter. On Facebook, we're the greatest song you never heard. And, of course, the greatest song you never heard dot com. Uh, Chris didn't really resonate with the song today, but I'm guessing there's a couple of people out there. Brian, I need to hear from you. I bet you Brian did. But there's not enough guitar in this for Brian, typically. Uh, no, but do you hear that back little uh, mm, rhythm guitar yes, on that? Yes. Oh my God. It is really good. That little background rhythm guitar. Anyway, I love it's the song. It's got a backbeat. You can't lose it. Yeah. That sounds like back to Brian Wilson. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. And this is you to wrap up. So I'm gonna leave it at that. Well, we love hearing from you and we love you listening to our show. So here's what you can do to help us. Tell somebody to listen to the show. Period. We won't embarrass you, we promise. No. And you know what? We've never done this. I'm going to do it right now. Go to Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've never done that. No, we haven't. We're, we don't a- actually bring any CTAs out here. Truth be told, we don't really care. We just like hanging out and <laughs> listening to music together. So. so this is all about us. And with that, we will talk to you next time on The Greatest uh, Podcast song show it's the greatest song you never heard podcast